Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gab fest. We're in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, <laughs> identity, Ooh. culture, yeah. what we like to read, <laughs> and who we like to read. Food for Thought, break up with your boyfriend because we're whores. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my that God. Was Thank right. you. I thought it was going to be because I'm horny. But it was no, so you're a whore. Good. I mean, you're a whore because you're horny. Yeah, I mean, or are you horny because you're a whore? Is that a chicken or an egg? It thing? is a total chicken and egg <laughs> have situation. Have y'all hoarded up in Los Angeles so far? We're in Los Angeles right now. Uh, with my boyfriend. <laughs> your boyfriend is here in Los Angeles? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, he is? Wow. We have an Airbnb you. with a hot tub and oh. a pool. Ooh. Oh. Come on by. No. It's no, no, no. no. We've, we've seen enough of, of, of you and him. We're yeah. good. We're I haven't good. really, I actually haven't really hoarded up that much in Los Angeles. I will say no. I do very well in, no, I do well in New York. I do very well in Baltimore and I do well in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the Pacific Northwest is very good for me. And in particular, Pacific Northwest dick and Pacific Northwest non-binary dick is good for me. Ooh, um, yes. But I have I have yet to really get down on this LA trip. But we're hoping because she got a private Airbnb. It's not too late. How many days you got left in LA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what? Three, four? No, I'm here until Tuesday. <laughs> that that is, what? You're you, here until Tuesday? Yeah. That is time mm-hmm. to have at least four men. To yeah. totally say they're going to come over and then not come over. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what and, you experience here for, in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that, that, that's what happens. The when you're kissing someone and you're like trying to like you know get in into it and their lips are they just feel like marbles, just like <laughs> firm, filled to the brim with juvederm, mm-hmm. and it could completely the like wrinkle free everything, the even a wrinkle free ball lips. sack. They're just Fred, like, are you totally sure that's smooth. not you kissing a mirror? I okay. Listen, let me tell you, I wanted my Juvederm moment, but I was shamed out of it by various members in the beauty community. But I will probably be getting some work done. I want to get it on the side. Here's the thing. You don't get wrinkles, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> Second, true. you of all people would support my plastic surgery journey because yes. I mm-hmm. do think that you and I are in need, in need of the same adjustment. The same adjustment. <laughs> We're yeah. the buttless. But, the buttless on the one. rear but, end. And I also forehead. I, do, I don't want my forehead to, like, move mm-hmm. at all. I just want it... I'm yeah. starting to like I don't get the wrinkles yet but I do like the sides of my lips I want to get a little bit of like plumped up right 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 I right, just right. want to be a wrinkled grizzled old white man like <laughs> in, the, in that mold of Harrison Ford like I've been in the sun since forever mm. I just want to be a sexy raisin man a nice like oh, Liam Neeson just saying yeah. where's my son exactly. a literal son. California raisin yeah. <laughs> no um, I am Tommy Teebs Pico, indigenous American poet, screenwriter, single and actively mingling, and I have a new sex injury. Oh, oh no. God. I know, I broke a toe. Oh, my God. You're just going to be falling apart <laughs> this year. Oh. I'm Fran. Uh, I'm a writer. I'm an editor. I'm the workhorse, and I'm the show pony. Oh, oh nice! That is, no, that yes. is true, though. That is very that, that actually. Is, yeah. She, uh, she's truly a verse queen. Mm, <laughs> actually, yeah, I kind of am now. Appropriate, you guys. I'm Dennis Norris the second, and I'm a reader and a writer, a lapsed feelist. And today, a Karen told me my hair was inviting. Wow, oh, Karen. Karen it's from HR Karen. is getting reported to HR. <laughs> Every day, all day. I'm Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer. And look, I know I can't get pregnant, but that hasn't stopped me from trying. Mm. <laughs> that truly has not Joseph. stopped you from trying. You're oh, right. Joe. You're right. Oh, Joe. Cummy babies. <laughs> Joe, still Joe Oda Science Ho. Yeah. I got some babies inside me right now. Okay, anyway, moving on. Oh, Fran, will you, Fran, will you tell us what we've got on the menu this evening? That's right, that's right, that's right. Today's episode, we're talking about love again. Ow! L O L O L O V E. As I say, what is love? Uh, 
baby, don't hurt me. Hurt me. Don't crush me. Love doing that song at karaoke, by the way. It's a really good karaoke song. For our muse bouche, (laughs) we get married. For our second segment, Joe actually, you know, gives us actual helpful information. (laughs) And for dessert, we get a triple sow cow. Oh. (laughs) Moo. (laughs) Will you voice a cartoon cow sometime in my life? I really hate it when Joe improvises. It's it's so hard. (laughs) Take it away. It is time we start the top of the show the way any good top should with our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh. And to amuse your booshes, I'm the game master this week. Ow, so we've excited. done this game once before. Uh, it's a newlyweds game based idea where we see how much we actually know about each other. We're going to do a few rounds and I hope that I have done enough to at least make myself laugh, which I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we got you. Yeah. Uh, question the first. How many years has Dennis been working on their novel? <laughs> eight? That's actually a really, yeah, I was going to say eight, seven or eight. It's a lot. How it's, old are you again? As oh, the sands of oh, time. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, we're going to skip right past the question of my age. <laughs> Um, yeah, eight years. Oh, in, wow. fact, in fact, eight years this month. Um, That's a really good, that was a good one, Tommy. Wow. Drag drag us. What neighborhood does Joe currently live in? I know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Do you live in New York or Los Angeles? (laughs) I can't can't remember. (laughs) Is it Chinatown? Ding, 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 ding. Oh, that's very good. Dennis loves me. Hmm. Um, <laughs> more like I try to know where you are so I can avoid oh. the area. <laughs> um, what neighborhood did I move into when I first moved into New York after college? Bushwick. I think Bushwick. Is that the one uh, across from the turk, uh, the chicken uh, butchering place? The chicken slaughterhouse. The chicken slaughterhouse. That wasn't the one. No, that wasn't that was, the one. I lived there later. Yes. That was in Bushwick. Oh, that was your stepping up to the chicken oh, slaughterhouse. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. Yeah. Was. Is, it wasn't Williamsburg. I'm pretty sure it was Was it Bushwick. Greenpoint? So it was East Williamsburg or West Bushwick. Oh, oh. East Williamsburg <laughs> is Bushwick, oh, you whore. And East Williamsburg it was in a basement apartment, a windowless apartment. Oh, wow. But it, the rent was $450 Four fifty. Yes. Wow. Yes. I would still be living there. Years. Wow. That way longer than I should have been living in a windowless room, by the way. Oh, my God. I know. Grim, grim. You can only do that at 23. Um... Fran has the same tattoo artist as what famous pop star? Oh no! Oh no! Is it? I mean, I want it to be Rihanna. I, I feel like it's like Dennis SZA. could not name this person. If I <laughs> Cute, you trying to name a one pop star? Wait, Kalani. <laughs> That person? Oh, man. Wow. This is really important information. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is? Ariana Grande. Yes! Oh, oh, ding, ding, ding. Okay. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. How many rim jobs has Dennis given? <laughs> I know it's more. It's not. It's it's more than zero. I think it's one or two. Yeah, I agree with that. Because we got a big uh, alert. An Amber alert yeah. came across <laughs> our group chat. <laughs> <laughs> Missing bottom. <laughs> it's in a Honda Civic right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, what I thought it happened. Um, I would say two. I I say point five. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually and it's point five. Tommy wins. Ah, You're right. It's point oh five. my god, I knew point that. five. Yeah. Like, it was like a, I gave it the good junior college try. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and we were like, bleh, bleh, bleh. Then, then we're good. Then we're good. And you just, you just went, bleh, bleh. yes, <laughs> literally. I wish y'all could see Fran's like face right now. The little, <laughs> the little tongue. It's, it reminds me of that, those Budweiser, oh. those Budweiser frogs. Oh yeah. Budweiser. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. Sorry. Ooh. I'm straight now. <laughs> um, how many times does Joe BM on an average day? Oh, it's, oh. Oh, it's insane. It's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's at least four. 
maybe on a slow day. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go with eight. I feel oh, like wow. we're generally no. approaching as, the double as digits novels. as many years as your novel has been worked yes. upon. Yes. <laughs> fully, I fully. shit out a novel eight times a day. Oh no! <laughs> it is. Good. It is a uh, five to six times. That is almost gross. almost always three to four before noon. <laughs> Wait, okay, so you're a, you're a morning you? pooper. I am such a morning pooper. I, I just have, feel like I, mo- I look at a cup of cold brew and I'm like, to the bathroom. I would, <laughs> oh my was God. that like your first like AOL instant messenger handle was like morning pooper or <laughs> 69 or something like that? Oh my God. <laughs> so at like 1 p.m. are you just rail Empty. thin? Just, I, I am so skinny. I'm so dehydrated. So <laughs> I just, that's so much. There must be a way to consolidate. That's a lot of time in the bathroom. I know. I love it though. It's my my favorite time of the day. Oh God! Do so you just, have eight favorite times or six favorite times? <laughs> I do. I get to. What was the okay? Do you have? Do you know what was the most BMs per day you ever did? Well, that was when I had my butt sur- was having my butt surgery and, uh, and my it was butt head exploded. Constant. It was basically a constant stream of blood and and fecal matter oh, coming from my butt. Like a diaper. God. Was, and you, I was literally wearing maxi oh, pads to work. Did they the, stitch you up or no? They did. Yeah. Okay. They basically like oh. you know they did they refashioned my whole butthole. Oh, so you're like a virgin a again? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And then the first person I slept with. After the butthole surgery, was a, a registered nurse, and the only reason I could sleep with him is that I knew he could bandage Take me up if things went wrong. Oh God! In France, first two relationships, he exclusively played this sexual position. I feel like I'm doing Jeopardy. Fran, and I love Fran it. Had, <laughs> oh. Franz had two relationships. Yes. Oh, that's actually very accurate. <laughs> very accurate burn. Uh, I uh, I know the answer. To I know the answer to this too. Um, Fran was a top in yes. Fran's first two relationships. Yep. Wow. I'll never forget it because it was one of the greatest shocks of my life when I first heard it. I also loved it because it, Fran's voice went literally up two octaves to be like, I was the top of the first two relationships. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Overcompensate <laughs> much? The first was a year and a half. The second was like three or four months. Mm. Wow. wow. In 2013, I released a chat book you could download as an app on your phone. What was it called? Oh. I had a, a tiger on it, and it was called... Put a tiger on it. Put a tiger on it. <laughs> it had a tiger on it. I own it on my Generation 1 iPad. Wow. Um, wow. And it is called... Fuck! I can't remember! <laughs> oh, no! Damn it, because you erased it from the internet. I did. Well, the thing is, you, you, you have to keep paying... Oh, Every yeah. year for it, uh, it to be in the i and the iTunes store or whatever, and I was like, and I wasn't charging any money for it, and I was like, every year I'm going to pay like three hundred dollars, so was I also, make nothing. It was also your last book of po- like poems, like little poems. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It was called Absent Minder. Oh, I never would have remembered that with the uh, mm. without the e on the r. Right. So it was yeah. Like, so oh, it looked like right. Grindr, Tumblr, Grindr, whatever. Pleasure. So in our final round, it's going to be a true or false edition. Ooh. Uh-oh. True or false? Dennis's pinned tweet is still oh from the 2016 presidential debate. That sounds accurate. That sounds <laughs> too on and, brand. And isn't it like y- y- they tagged Ava DuVernay, but the tag is incorrect, and so it links to nowhere? Well, <laughs> okay, all of this is true, but when I pinned it, the tag was correct, and then she changed her her handle, Twitter. her oh. Twitter handle. Oh, right. Okay. So, and, but yeah. you still haven't repinned. But I still haven't else. repinned it. Okay. I, feel yeah. like, I feel like my whole sexuality is a tweet link that links to nowhere. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's also Ava Duvernay. Literally, we tweeted it, so I may never have a prouder moment of my life. Okay. I hope and I'm you okay do. With I, I, I really truly hope do. you do. Finish your novel, Dennis. Dennis. <laughs> True or false? Uh, Fran's introduction to secular music and his first Destiny's Child album that he ever listened to was Survivor that he got from the library. Mm. I think I know it was a Destiny's Child album. I think that I think that's true. I think that's the one. I think that's true as well. It's false. It was Destiny Fulfilled. Ah! Yes. Almost. Tricky. Tricky. Baked you. True or false? Joe is currently, though faintly, <laughs> farting. Oh, true! I'm God, next true. to him. I can, my eyes are watering. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why faintly. We it's really need a, a scratch and sniff podcast. No, <laughs> no, 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 I no think we're good. For that. You know, no. I'm going to do a Maybe final. Maybe that's your next memoir. I'm going to do a final bonus round because y'all have been very, very good. Oh, thank you. Uh, finally, what does Joe have his degree in? 
my God. How dare you ask this ask every question? Time also, and we you never yourself get it. could not answer this if it was not s- sitting in front of you. I don't actually have the answer. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Does, jo- it, does okay, Joe wait. even have a degree? Mole- is Joe it is even a doctor? Molecular yes. physio-science. <laughs> yeah. Molecular You're very physics. Close. Molecular biology. Physiology. Molecular psychic Mo- medium. Physical. Uh, molecular bio-sluttery. Oh. It's molecular oh. biophysics. Okay. Molecular well. biophysics. Okay, I had the closest answer <laughs> yes, with you were molecular physio-science. <laughs> yes, molecular physio-science. From now on, your degree is molecular <laughs> physio-science. <laughs> yes. I it's molecular. I'm totally changing oh my it. I'm, God. I'm reprinting your fucking whatever it's called. I did in my PhD. I named the protein that I studied fairy as an acronym just to make it very gay. P H E R I. It was smelled. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody lost. So have fun. Mm, thank you for playing. For our next segment, the most disgusting member of the podcast is going to explain some science in a, uh, a segment we called Joe O the Science Ho. Hey everyone. So today in Joe O the Science Ho, we are going to talk about a thing that I get questions about in my DMs and from my friends all the time as a scientist, HIV. So we're going to get a little bit of information at the beginning and end with all this crazy stuff that's been happening in the last few years, both the politics and activism, but also what you can do to understand PrEP and how you can access it and how you can use it uh, to have safer sex. Nice. What, what exactly is virology, Joe? Virology is just the scientific study of viruses. So I worked on a virus for my PhD. Uh, and HIV is a virus, which means that it is not alive. Technically, as biologists think about it, it needs cells to replicate. And furthermore, HIV is called a retrovirus, mm-hmm. which means that it, enc- it encodes its genome in RNA, which is a molecule that in biology isn't particularly stable. But before getting into your cell, or once it's in your cell, it copies itself into DNA. And importantly, once it's in your cell, it actually integrates itself into your DNA. Right, right, right. right. So when HIV gets into your cell, it goes into the nucleus, and it literally becomes a part of you, which is one of the reasons that unlike viruses like the flu, which don't do that, you know, you get the flu one year, you get sick, you sneeze, and then you get better, and you don't have that flu anymore, Mm -hmm. right? HIV is like once it's inside of you, it's inside of those cells for forever. Not unlike the early 90s Paula Abdul album, Vibology. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Correct. Correct. I and um, not <laughs> unlike all of my exes. Um, oh. This makes it really hard to think about HIV cures. You know, I think when we think about HIV, we've for a long time imagined working towards two things, vaccines and cures. A vaccine to prevent people from getting new infections and a cure to cure the people who have had them. And it gets a little confusing. We talk about PrEP, we talk about Truvada, and people are also thinking about a cure. There have been cases of HIV being cured in living individuals, two cases so far. Uh, And that's actually what happens there is uh, a person is sick with a cancer of... um, white blood. And so the treatment for that is a bone marrow transplant where they irradiate and kill all of the stem cells that make all of your blood cells, including the cells that HIV infects, which are T cells. But what's the difference between um, white blood that is not a cancer and white blood that is a cancer? Because this is a, I feel like yeah. the white part of me is always kind of a cancer. Ah! <laughs> She's got oh, jokes. Hey, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so these p- individuals get a cancer, they kill all of their uh, blood stem cells, and then replace them with stem cells that can differentiate into T cells, which are normally infected by HIV, but that just naturally have mutations that allow them to not be infected. Uh, this is it is a cure. It has worked two times. It costs hundreds of thousands of dollars, and this type of uh, bone marrow transplant actually kills like a twenty five percent to a third of the people who undergo it. Right. So when you think about HIV currently as an infection that we typically treat with drugs, and most people live a long and healthy life with the virus inside of them, it doesn't make sense to give them a cure that would kill so many people. Right. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I think the obsession with the cure. I understand it, particularly coming from an early nineties mindset, but. I, I think what's happening it's right like now... It's like a different paradigm, right? right? Exactly. It, we're like thinking about HIV totally differently, right? We're te- thinking about living long, healthy, and productive lives with the virus inside of us. Because like you don't cure diabetes. Right. You, you, manage, you manage it. it. You manage it. And it's very much the same um, with HIV, with good medical care. Uh, so 
We've talked a little about vaccines and cures. I want to spend a long time talking about PrEP, Truvada, and U equals U, right? So these are terms that get thrown around a lot. The terminology is pretty confusing because right now um, there are two drugs that are licensed for PrEP. PrEP means pre-exposure prophylaxis. Basically, you're an HIV negative person who takes a drug typically daily and you take it daily to prevent seroconverting, which means becoming HIV positive, right? Uh, so you're taking the drug to maintain your status. U equals U means undetectable equals untransmissible. Mm -hmm. Undetectable is when you're HIV positive, but you're treating it well with drugs so that you have essentially, not essentially, you have zero detectable virus in your blood. Mm -hmm. And a really amazing study came out a few years ago now uh, that was uh, serodiscordant couples, so one HIV positive and one HIV negative person, and they followed those couples to see if um, the ones who were treating their HIV ever uh, you know, had their partner seroconvert. Uh, out of tens of thousands of couples, there were two. Mm. Two couples where the HIV negative person became HIV positive. Guess who gave, gave them that HIV virus? Not their partner. Not their partner, oh, right? Oh, fuck! So, uh, this study like, shows... Uh, uh, like, I Procter and Gamble. Like, I'm just trying to think of they, like something evil. They so this study really shows that if you have HIV and you're undetectable, you're treating the virus properly. There's no detectable virus in the blood. It is impossible for you to to infect someone with a new HIV infection. This really actually completely changes the way we think about HIV because you know in my generation it was like you were scared of having sex with someone with HIV, and mm -hmm. there was a huge amount of stigma around that. I remember thinking if I ever got HIV, no one would ever want to have sex with me again. And now we're living in a world where HIV positive people who know they're undetectable are the safest partners with whom to have sex in terms of HIV transmission. Period. Right. Period. That's it. So if like if the person is not treating is, isn't um, isn't like taking the drugs and stuff, then it goes detectable. So that's right. If okay. you're if you are if you are HIV positive for most people, you stop taking the drugs, the, the tighter the amount of virus in your blood will come back up. Yeah. But there's also even a fear revolving around that because there are people that believe like if you miss your medication one day yeah, or yeah, two yeah. days mm -hmm. that like you might be prone to the you might be prone to like yeah. uh, uh, sharing the virus again. But that's like not how the medication works. You'd have to be off your medication for a substantive amount of time it for is. that to actually reenter. And adherence is really important. And and one of the reasons, so adherence means taking your drugs every day, both for PrEP and for HIV positive folks. A part of that is because, yeah, it's not like, oh, I missed my meds today and therefore I'm going to get a, a ton of virus up in my blood. But, you know, the virus is still in you, right? And so if you are not taking your drugs exactly as prescribed, it makes it more likely that the virus will mutate and become resistant to those mm. drugs. And that's when you have to like switch HIV drug regimens to another. And there are people this day, one of the great dangers is that we're not developing enough new drugs. No. And it is possible that the HIV can become resistant to all known drug cocktails. How is it so wily? Uh, it, is, it is very sloppy in its copying of itself. So it makes a lot of errors in copying itself, which means that it evolves very quickly. Mm. And there's a huge amount of selective pressure for it to evolve resistance to the meds. So all bugs, you know, bacteria, viruses, if you, we are treating them with a drug, they will eventually become resistant to that drug. So we always kind of have to be developing new drugs. And one of the problems is there's not a lot of profit for pharma companies in this type of drug development. Right. It's high risk, relatively low benefit. So they're not doing it really. Because um, I mean, what's what is the um, benefit in capitalism of making yourself obsolete, right? You know, or mm -hmm. of not expand? Because this is a system of expansion yep. of colonialism of imperialism, and it's like if they're not. You know, it's like, uh, why would they? There, there's no incentive to cure or to make people better. Correct, and and also, uh, and this is going to get us into talking a little bit, a little bit about Gilead and the politics of prep that have been going on, but. Pharma companies don't want to invest in brand new discoveries because it mostly doesn't work. What they've been doing is slightly modifying drugs that already exist to make to extend their patent life. And so this is what's been happening with Gilead and Truvada. Um, there are currently two drugs available uh, for prep. It's Truvada and Viscovi. Uh, Gilead is, of course, first of all, Gilead is being sued for not releasing Viscovi 
earlier mm-hmm. to extend the patent life of Truvada so they could sell Truvada for a longer period of time. Who are they being sued by? Uh, they're being sued. This lawsuit, there are two right now. This lawsuit is a group of activists. That, the lawsuit is Staley versus Gilead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is Peter Staley, who um, was an ACT UP activist in the 90s and is still an HIV activist. Uh, he and a coalition of patients and healthcare uh, practitioners are suing Gilead, um, saying that they're manipulating the market to extend the patent life. And then there's been this, I actually have so many friends come to me be like, oh, my doctor's trying to put me on Viscovi, which is like the new version of uh, Truvada. Mm, like, uh, do you recommend it? So, right. And, and, and so I've seen the arguments both ways. Uh, Viscovi is meant to have a lower incidence of some side effects. Mm. Um, but other people are saying, first of all, it's going to be a lot more expensive very soon when Truvada goes um, generic. Mm. And of course, the drug company is trying to convince everyone to go on the bright, new, shiny drug. Not a great uh, indicator of whether there, you should get the drug, right? There is the drugs work equally well. If you are currently on Truvada and it is not giving you adverse side effects, there's not really a reason to change. Mm-hmm. The reason to change is if you are not. Um, if you are not doing well with Truvada and you're having side effects, what this Kobe might be better. Side uh, it can be kidney defects and bone wasting. So oh, they shit. test for those things uh, every three months as a part of your um, uh, as a part of being a Truvada. And so if you're tolerating Truvada well, and I've had some activists online saying like Truvada has been a drug for a long time, we kind of know what the side effects are. Viscovi is new, so we might not actually know the full slate of side right. effects. I also have to acknowledge that in the um, drug trials for Viscovi, they didn't test women. Mm-hmm. And they didn't test trans men. Oh God, so the, that is a big oversight. Huge. And so, like the activists are trying to say, you can never do a drug study again where you don't test test those populations. Yeah. So it is it is off label. It has not been tested on those populations of people. It's only been tested on uh, cis gay men. Mm. Uh, so the whole thing has been a disaster. The U.S. government is now also suing Gilead because it turns out the U.S. government owns the intellectual property of using pills to prevent seroconversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, this, way, this is the way things happen all too much in pharma and tech. The U.S. government invests capital in doing some generic research, some general research, and then a drug company takes, takes that and privatizes the profit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the big thing with uh, Truvada as prep is that the pills are $2,000 a year. Gilead is making a, a literal fucking killing mm-hmm. on this drug and they want to keep making that profit mm-hmm. right and the the amp up to get prep in as many people as possible mm-hmm. is making gilead a shit ton of money yeah and they want to continue doing that by switching people to viscovi and by continuing to manipulate the market uh mm-hmm. and i think that there this activist push by people like uh prep for all and break the patent yeah shout out to these activists have been doing incredible work educating the public educating the public, educating us, get legislator, getting legislators on board and actually suing these companies that are, that are doing these illegal practices. To go back to an earlier point you were making, I have a question. So when you were talking about how um, people are, should, there are reasons why you, uh, sorry, there are reasons why the virus could develop a resistance mm-hmm. to certain drugs and mm-hmm. switching over to a new drug could benefit you in mm-hmm. that like you have a new drug and now like the virus doesn't know what to do with it. If, if it you're HIV you positive. Enough. Right. Yep. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Oh, I was, okay, so now I understand the question. Never never mind. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll scratch that. Um, the only thing I want to talk about before we end is an option that a lot of people don't know about when it comes to PrEP. So I'm in a mostly monogamous relationship now. I'm mostly only having sex with one person. Uh, and, you know, sort of we would have STI scares from a threesome or whatever. And for that week or 10 days that we're not having sex, even with each other, we just I stopped taking Truvada. And at some point we were like, you know, we're just basically fucking each other. Why are we taking this pill daily? But I am still a literal insane person about HIV. And it makes me feel really good to take PrEP to know that even if I'm having sex with condoms with other people, I have this additional layer of protection. So there's this other way you can use PrEP that's called intermittent PrEP or 211. The idea here is you take two pills of Truvada, uh, two to 10 hours of a bunch of time before you have sex. And then you take one pill the day after and one pill the next day too. So two and then one and then one. And this provides almost the same level of protection, even if that sex is unprotected as taking prep every day. So if you're a person who's like not having a ton of risky sex or, you know, wants to have unprotected sex with a partner, um, you know, sort of once a month or maybe has a long distance relationship, there are ways that you can use prep that are, that are sort of taking way fewer pills, but still maintaining that additional layer Let's of protection. Let's say you're, you're doing like one day at a time. Yep. How long before you can have sex? That, I don't know the answer to that. And I don't think the research is clear 
year. I, I, I would say give it at least a couple of weeks, but the truth is probably within 24 hours because the 211 works just as well. Um, I just say in general, you know, uh, STIs are rampant right now. My partner and I got an STI literally every threesome we had, whether or not we use condoms, whether or not we had insertive sex, like just the the number of STI infections. It's been their studies who have been out on this in the last year. It is higher than ever before. Dang. And of course, PrEP does not prevent against uh, bacterial infections or herpes. Can uh, we also blame this on climate change? It is absolutely low, late capitalism is ruining everything. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, I think, you know, you have to be all sex has risk. And I think there are ways to minimize that risk and mitigate that risk to understand HIV as not a a big dangerous thing to understand that HIV positive people are safe sex partners. uh, And to, you know, allow yourself the pleasure of the erotic to minimize the risk and trauma that um, so many of us carry uh, around HIV, and to still, you know, get bred like a a motherfucker. (laughs) So we know how to best protect our bodies. But how do we protect our hearts? Oh, (laughs) fuck off. To give it just some ending actionables, like for you, Joe, I bet you there are people that are listening to this podcast that might not have even thought about getting on Truvada yet, you know, as as much as like in our circles, like everyone's kind of on it. What are the first steps someone might take to getting that covered? Who is like in these circles? I just learned a whole shit ton. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, It really, really, really depends on where you live. So cities Mm -hmm. like New York and San Francisco, states like my home state of Washington are essentially guaranteeing 100% prep coverage. There are governmental bodies. If you Google uh, Truvada, Washington State or Truvada, NYC, that will put you in contact with the doctors you need. It can be really fucking hard in some places, places that are rural, if your primary care practitioner is homophobic. To, to get access to these drugs and, and that's a big problem the drugs are batshit fucking expensive uh, your insurance companies will cover them if your insurance company is saying they don't cover it fight with them or find a coupon uh, Gilead has essentially promised that anyone who's uninsured or underinsured will get access to the pills I know many people who have been on those programs they are a pain in the ass you have to sort of apply it can leave you with gaps it can leave you with a little bit of money you have to pay for the testing there are logistical barriers to these drugs and I think that's one thing that these activists fighting the patents are really working on that like we you know having a pill that costs two thousand dollars a month it, it may it means that the access to that pill even by those who are privileged by living in New York or other places where it's guaranteed it, it's really hard for people you have to put in a lot of time and work to get it so uh, hopefully the generic will happen within the next year and that should change access altogether yeah and then where can people what kind of information can people find about prep for all and other activists working in that space if they want if they are on prep or and want to figure out what activism looks like in this space that's a great question, Fran. I, th- I know in New York, um, Prep for All is active. I know in many places, Break the Patent is active. You know, there are two things you can do. You can connect with groups who you know are already working on that, and the internet will guide you. Facebook and Twitter will guide you to those people and places in the city where you live. Or get together with a bunch of friends, you know. Organize yourself. And organize yourself and, you know, have pamphlets made up with a bunch of information that you can hand out to your friends or that you can leave at your local gay bar with the information for your specific city on who to contact and how to, to get these drugs in your hands. You know, and you can join forces with the forces that already exist, but you can absolutely try to get this information out to every single person you know because it it's information that changes lives and it changes our relationship to our bodies and to sex and allows a type of pleasure that I think for a while I was talking to a friend of mine today who's uh you know edging toward 50 uh, and he was like I never thought in my entire life that I would be able to have unprotected sex with not just one person and that I could do that and feel only pleasure and not feel worry and so it's a beautiful time if you if you sort of take this these extra steps of you know getting this information and using it to mitigate your risks I don't worry about my body but I do worry about my heart (laughs) this message comes from iHeartRadio sponsor Mercury Insurance If you're looking to save some money, you should really think about getting a quote from Mercury, because Californians save an average of $677 with Mercury. It's quick and easy, and in just a few minutes, you might find you could save a lot of money on your auto and home insurance. Plus, Mercury was named one of America's best insurance companies by Insure.com four years in a row. Low rates, big discounts, great insurance. Go to MercuryInsurance.com today to get a quote. It's time we got to the 
meat of our discussion, the thought process spelled T H O T, and slinging us some micro meat tonight is Joe. Ow, 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 ow. Eat my micro meats. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. All right, today our hot topic is Joe, love. What did you have like one too many Coca Cola's before you <laughs> I got? Did. Joe I is on full sugar rush right now. <laughs> what does love got to do? got to do with it, Tommy. Everything. Topics like love can feel so big that they're impossible to talk about. Love can be romantic and sexual, like Tommy's one true love, who will remain unnamed. My iPad Pro. It can can also be about art, like the writers we love, the books we love. It can be about sensual pleasures, like I love Snicker bars and eating ass. Mm. Love, I think, implies... (laughs) In that order? No. In that order. I love eating Snicker bars out of an ass. Love implies a depth of feeling. Love is something more than a crush. Love implies seriousness and intimacy. I don't think we can truly love something or someone we don't know very well. And of course, for years and years, the word love went hand in hand with commitment and institutions. When you fell in love, the next step was marriage. And after that, a bebe. But now we queers are queering love. You can have multiple partners, prioritize the love of chosen fam, or decide that romantic love just isn't right for you. To start, I want to think about the ways in which love is more complicated than we are socialized to believe. Thoughts. What's one time that you love two things that were simply mutually exclusive? Mm. Hmm. Loving Taco Bell, but also (laughs) bottoming. Daily struggle. Honestly, yes. I mean the cheesy gordita crunch, but also getting I had, I had a beef chibichanga earlier today. No, you did not. I Are you fully get out did. Of here oh right God. now. I, Who's giving you that? You should, this should be illegal. That, <laughs> no. That's what all those gas bubbles I've been hearing through the mic are. <laughs> mm, no. This whole fart bit was gotten to lose it at some point. It is just it is riding its course way longer it's, than I think we we've children. earned. We are children, it's fine. Uh things that are mutually exclusive that I loved. I mean, yeah. like, I don't know, feelings in general and like actually uh, I don't I feel like there's a way in which I and feelings are sort of like um oil and water. You know what I mean? We just like separate immediately. Yeah. But 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 you love feelings too, is what you're saying? No, I don't. I'm not saying. That. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love literally nothing. I don't really believe. To be honest with you, it's hard for me to believe. I'm a skeptic. I would say I'm a love uh-huh. skeptic, or maybe mm. even a cynic. Well, Tommy, you said that right in front of your iPad Pro. <laughs> It's on mute, so it's fine. Oh my God, oh my God. I, yeah, I feel the thing that I can think of that has been hard my whole life is I, my love of um, humanities and literatures and my love of science, right? And uh, for a long time in my life, I like felt like I had to choose one path. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I did my PhD in uh, the biology, and I just felt like that was the choice that I'd made, and I could love books and writing sort of on the side, but I didn't imagine that I could put it together into a life because I didn't have a model for that, right? I, I could love it, but I, I couldn't love it the, the way that I really wanted to. I had to choose something more practical. And so I think one thing that I've tried to do as I've gotten older and moved into uh, a life that I think, I, a life that I literally couldn't imagine at some point earlier, but like, how can I actually take these two things that I really do love and love them so much that they're not mutually exclusive at all anymore? Um, so this is like, it maybe seems kind of basic, but you have to remember that this is me when I was like 15 or 16, but feeling like I loved like being coming newly out, like being newly out and feeling like I loved being gay and, and, and just all of my queerness. Because when I came out, I sort of ran out of the closet. Like there was none of that. Oh, I'm bisexual. And then two years later, I'm gay. Like I, at me, I, (laughs) I was like, I am gay. Like it was like when I opened that door, I like flung that door open. Like the way Oprah loves bread. You love dick. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there may have been some benefits to the all boys school, but anyway, the point is that like, I, so like sort of newly coming into that part of my identity and then feeling like everything about what I was told being gay was, I didn't necessarily love. Um, and then also feeling like I loved, I loved being an athlete, being a, I was a skater at that same time in my life and I took it really seriously and I loved, um, being athletic. Like I, I loved actually. How can anyone be both a skater 
and gay. And gay. Oh, <laughs> was, I know it was so crazy, but literally, like, <laughs> for the first time in my life, I was like, "Oh, I'm doing something athletic, and I love it. I love going to this place. I love sweating, like, which I never liked before in my life. Like, it was amazing. But for a short while, these two like parts of my identity really felt very incongruous and I felt like I was always like oh I need to be like taking more theater classes mm. like I need to I need to try and like musical theater and run around singing wicked songs I have a, I have a better answer for you now than I had before which okay. is uh, loving dick but hating men oh, oh that's yeah. so that's really good yeah, because men are trash garbage they're awful the worst but like I still I'm attracted to them but it's like there is literal like mm-hmm. men are what's killing the planet. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? Like, men are the next extinction-level event. They make everything worse. Uh, They they leave ruin in their path. I I don't know. Like, I just... And then... then, But then the only thing that would would be different is than if I I loved women, but then I would be straight. And that's even worse. I have a question for you, Tommy. Yes. Can love cure... Men? No. 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 Men have spent all of eternity literally being loved, taken care of, protected, mm. spoiled, catered to, and it ain't fixed shit. But I don't, I don't think <laughs> that's that, I, just I trash. I don't think that's true, Dennis. That's not the love that I'm talking about. You, one doesn't cater to love. One doesn't worship love. The love that I'm talking about, like, can, can love fix men? If men actually loved as opposed to occupied, as opposed to controlled, as opposed... But what if that's what they love? But that's not... I don't think that... That is a I self-serving I mean, isn't love. Isn't that, like, what masculinity is? Right. But that is not loving anyone or anything. That's loving hating yourself. Because masculinity also does harm to men, right? right. It's, it's, right. It is, a t- it is like, eating itself. poison every day. I'm right. watching that I mean, Aaron Hernandez documentary, and that is bleak. Uh, bleak. Yeah. I mean, Joe, I mean, I think your, your kind of proposition there is reflective of past experiences that I can also relate <laughs> to. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, oh. being, being beholden to someone to yeah. the extent that you hate yourself is a very real thing that people often confuse for love i hated myself all along or though if you are an ambitious person i think if before like before i placed my ambition in work and life i thought like if i was with somebody i could i could fix them yeah you know what i mean Mm. like because i can make anything happen i could be what it is that they wanted and i could make them i could fix whatever was going on in their life and it was like a solid 10 years of trying to do that and i was like you know what actually i think i'm gonna try to fix myself right now what when is a time when you confused something for love when you were like oh Mm. this is love but you were actually like oh i am hurting myself yeah i probably like the first time i was like hmm 23 and I decided uh, that I was in love with somebody and moved to San Francisco mm-hmm. and that wasn't it at all it was just like a really intense lust yeah. I mean the thing is like it was the kind of person who I had imagined loving when I was 15 years old and like mm-hmm. coming up in punk mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and this person was like in a band and he had like tattoos and, and but like you know it was like fucking he probably had like Kool-Aid stains on the side of his mouth and slept on a futon on the floor like yeah. he just oh. literally yeah. wasn't shit yeah. but was like my 15 year old ideal yeah. and three weeks of living with him I was like this is not this is not it no you figured it out i uh i i i have a similar the love and lust thing it's so cliche but it is so true that depth of feeling that sex can give us can really mimic Mm -hmm. some of the depth of love and for me the person who i who i did love and i did know but that was ultimately harming myself i I I loved him because he reflected things that I didn't think I was worthy of. I loved him because he was really physically attractive and I didn't think I was worthy of that type of, Ooh. you know, feeling or pleasure. I didn't think I was worthy of being found attractive by someone who was like a former model, mm-hmm. right? But he was he he fully fucked me up. And it was like he didn't not love me either. It's just like and it wasn't just him. We weren't comp- we weren't capable of seeing one another past the hurt in our own selves. And it was just like, man, did we fuck each other up? How tall was he? <laughs> he was six four. That oh would fuck God. me up. Yes. Oh, yes. That, yes. That Here's the it. keys to my apartment. <laughs> there it is. My checking account is. <laughs> 
Um, my, my first relationship was a similar one, Joe. Like I had a boyfriend at the time who was wealthy and I wasn't. He was popular and yeah. I wasn't. He was recently out of the closet. And so I was like, oh my God, he's like so comfortable in his queerness. Right. And like, I, he already knows how to do this. And like, I don't. He was out to all his friends. Like I wasn't yet. Even though in hindsight, he was dealing with like so much internalized homophobia mm-hmm. and like was not, and probably is not like comfortable with himself now. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. but at the time I just like, mm. I really idolized him. Mm. And I think a lot about how idolization is mm-hmm. something that's also confused for love all the time. We constantly yeah. tell ourselves like, oh, I worship this thing and therefore it is love. Right. Yeah. And but then like, you're under all... the influence of that. And right. being under the influence of something can really fuck up your feelings. Yeah. Yes. And feelings yes. aren't facts. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like you always have to tell yourself yeah. like, feel, like the, just because you feel a feeling doesn't mean it's like justifying any yeah, yeah, other yeah, action yeah. you may have. You know what I mean? So I like, I experienced a lot of the sort of like that when I was in college. Um, and I, I mean, I, like for the answer to this question, I certainly could go back to my season two impure thought when I talked about the Italian and how he fucked me up, but really it was just he dicked me down really, really good. Was he the sixty year old man? Did no. you have sex no. with the sixty year old man? No. <laughs> um, and I did not sleep with the sixty year old man. You've slept with more than one sixty year old man, Dennis. <laughs> but like that 60 year old man like we didn't we did not sleep together but anyway um one thing that i went through a lot of in college was as i was developing these really sort of intense and intimate um and really like sort of life-changing friendships um for th- for a lot of the gay men that i met there and became really close with it was often really hard to sort of tell whether or not what we were developing was a friendship or whether it should be something romantic mm-hmm. and so there were a lot of crushes that i had that were sort of this like displacement because it was like you are like what i should want like you're very attractive you're really really smart we have so much fun together um and not necessarily understanding myself and maybe them not understanding themselves well enough to know that like if we were to be in a relationship relationship we weren't compatible like it wouldn't really work Mm -hmm. but just finding that these sort of very deep feelings of admiration and respect and not the sort of thing where it's like you are like the fantasy but in reality you're shit like these are all like really amazing people who are still doing really amazing things but just this idea that like um sometimes that line between like friendship and romance can get really confusing um and there's and it's all encased in love mm-hmm. it's just a matter of what kind of love it is and how you're interpreting that love and that can be sort of hard to navigate yeah i mean i would i'm was super intrigued by what you were saying, Fran, about like when you idolize someone that can feel like love but of course idolization is so surface right mm-hmm. and when i think about what love really means to me, I think of depth, like a depth of feeling and like knowing the intimacies of some of, of someone like, you know, one of the reasons why I can say that I love everyone in this room is not because I never get frustrated with y'all and not because we're, I mean, some of us are <laughs> deeply incompatible in many ways, but like we've, we've done this thing together. We've stuck it out for years and I know you all so well, like, and you know me, Probably you think you do better than you mm. want to. I know you better than I want yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Specifically, I mean, we just your, about your bowel movement. Specifically, today. your gas. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm. I'm so much more prone to believing in platonic love because it happens mm. and I can feel it. Mm. It seems very pure to me, or at least it, I, it feels. I know where it feels in my body. You yeah. know, talking about like I, I know like. Even when, like, Dennis was talking about, like, um, not knowing when you're meeting somebody if that thing is a friend thing or, like, a love thing. Like, that's happened with some of my best friends before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, in the, like, I got a charge from them, but it wasn't that I, I didn't really know yet where that was supposed to go. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were just kind of feeling it out for a minute. It didn't take very long for yeah. me to be like, oh, no, we are soul sisters. We are not fucking. Right, 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 right. You right, right, are right. touching on a very important question that's a very cl- big cliche to answer. But what is love? Oh. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't, Don't hurt, hurt me, me. No, no more. more. No, hurt me, act- squish me till I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in, in actuality, like it is. Do you guys believe that love is like this point that you no. hit? Do you believe? Are you naming it as like there's an aha moment? Do you think that it is? A, when you talk about depth, is it about reaching a certain depth? Is it a spectrum? Mm-hmm. Is it something that is it something that people should just know intuitively? Is there a version of love that people think is love? But you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to like yeah, I have like literally no idea because my actual lived experience of what you're talking about versus the way I'm I view it and consume it popularly in uh-huh. terms of love songs, uh-huh. in terms of books, in terms and 
terms of movies and television shows, like Mm -hmm. that is almost always the central conflict, Mm -hmm. right? And then so I'm led to believe that it is a thing that you know and that has a resolution. It has a climax. Right, but that is just narrative. Right, that's narrative. That's not love. And so like I don't know that I've had experiences that offset, augment, or disprove what Mm. love is being sold to me as. Yeah, Yeah. I definitely, I feel, you know, for me, love is, love is the process of loving it you know oh there's a verb not a noun but it is a verb not a noun you know it is about depth because i think that when you know and love someone for a certain amount of time that requires the intimacy doing the work requires you to open up and to show those sides of yourself and just over time iteratively it becomes really intimate and really present and really visible i i can't it's you know love for me is for sure work showing up over and over again having it not be a burden uh but it also i know what love isn't Uh, And that was something that after my breakup with my serious ex with whom I lived, that in therapy became really critical of being like, oh, I can be dating someone and getting to know them. But bench, this is this ain't this isn't it. This mm-hmm. this was mm-hmm. what this feeling is. This is not it. And this person is actually incapable of the type of communication I need, the type of growth I need, the type of presence I need, the type of consistency I need. And even though I can be having amazing sex with them and feel all of this positive affect toward them, it's not it. Right. That's a really mm-hmm. important point. Is that you know as more often than not, knowing what love isn't mm-hmm. is a lot more important than knowing what love is. Right. And, because yeah. a lot of times, like that is that's clarity. That is definable. You can say, oh, love is not that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's so much more important than trying to figure out this – you know, facsimile, uh, this kind of this artifice Perfect of an thing. idea yep. Yep. of what love is. Because yeah. if it was capable to know immediately, why would we be continuing to write stories about it all the time? Yeah. Since exactly, the dawn we're of trying time. to figure it out. Yeah, still, do, it's an ongoing project. Yeah. Do you think you can? Can you love somebody who's not doing the work? No, 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 no. Love is love is a reflexive verb. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, uh, yeah. So, so not as a verb, it's a reflexive verb. Writers, where, where you have writers, to, that both people have to be participating in it. And I think mm. it, one thing that's really fucked me up. I'm a huge romantic. I love love. I love. Nuh-uh. I love uh, friendly love. I love romantic love. Um, and I did have a couple of loves that felt like that idolized version. Uh, that we get sold. I've had that in my life. Um, and then I didn't understand how traumatic and damaging it would be to have and then lose that. And now that I've had that experience several times, but once really, really badly to the point of like having a fever and not being able to work and like it fucking me up. I love differently. Now I might not ever have that sort of idolized innocent version of love Ever again. Mm-hmm. And that was something foundational, yeah. foundational about who I thought I was. But it's beautiful. It's as mm. beautiful to have had it, right? I don't, I honestly, Tommy, I don't know. I don't mm. know. All I know is who I am now. And all I'm trying to do is to allow myself to love in the capacity that I have now and to not be like, oh, this doesn't, doesn't feel like what it felt like before. And therefore, it's not the same. It's not valuable. I should throw it away. No, like I'm just a different. I'm a different person and this different person loves a little differently. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what I have. That's what I have now. No, I, I it makes me sad all the time. Actually. You wish that you could huh. love the way you used yeah. to, even though it hurt you, yeah. even though also everything makes you sad. All the time. <laughs> even though maybe this kind of love that you have now is better. It, um, more I, mature, more, more, more sustainable. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, it, it absolutely are could the girls be. sustaining love now. The girls are. I mean, they're <laughs> oh not, my god, <laughs> truly not. That's not what the girls are doing, Tommy. Uh, how do we, as people who come from, like, as queer people, were in like trauma is so sewn into our conception mm. of love and partnership, like overcome that can Mm. you overcome it is it something you continually deal with and and also like you know how do we love across traumas we could honestly do an entire episode Episode about trauma and should do an entire episode about trauma tbh but for me like i i I mean a lot of my experiences it's it's akin to joe's and that like i have i really cannot love the same anymore well i I will never go back and it's as a consequence of a very nasty experience yeah and i think like do we we just continually traumatize each other Mm. in these relationships with who we are and what we give or what we don't give you're such a writer i'm just saying that because like i do feel like similarly because of some bad situations that happen in my life i can literally not let go I, I like I can't mm. like that whole like come what may I love you no matter what like I'm gonna give myself over that whole kind of thing that That's I was able a, to do when I was 23 years old mm-hmm. I ain't gonna do no more and I can't 
to it anymore. Mm, that's the movies. That's the movies. But, but, that portrait of love that's like, you actually have to like be submitted to pain in order for this to be real. But, that doesn't mean, I think that love is intrinsic in pain i think that pain mm. is like a natural the, consequence yeah. of something that That's that deep. that loves deep but that is but that doesn't you cannot conflate the two and say that i need pain in order to have love it's just mm. a natural byproduct and, ooh, it and also this, is to assume that there is as much pain as there in is love and i yeah. don't think that in a healthy relationship they That's should right. be equal part yeah, you yeah, know yes. what i mean it reminds me of a line that i wrote about this that was like um you need pain necessitates or growth necessitates pain but some pain is just damage we yeah, need, yeah, yeah we yeah. need a new food for thought bingo where it's <laughs> Tommy, just Tommy, Tommy quotes, quotes himself, himself. <laughs> oh my God. i think you, what you were saying about like uh love just being continually re-traumatizing each other i think that that i really want to differentiate between like uh trauma trauma and sadness or loss like trauma to me is like if i'm being honest with you and i'm being open with you and i'm sharing with you the difficulties that i'm having i like i am honest with my boyfriend about what you have to be what happened in my last relationship and how that's affecting how i am in this one i don't think there's a way in which and he hasn't done anything that that has been traumatizing to me it's like even if this relationship were to end i wouldn't necessarily feel traumatized but you know but but the thing is like sometimes you know you don't have especially i think early on for me anyway didn't have as many partnerships where there was an open kind of a dialogue i didn't Mm -hmm. know how to have that dialogue and so we just took our feelings out on each other because we did not have that outlet of conversation or didn't know how to talk to each other yeah and i think that's the that ourselves that is the way of love being a reflexive verb that i hope that the younger thoughts coming up listening to this with maybe better models of how to love without trauma how to love without abuse that that there's a generation of young folk who come up and love differently who love each other in ways that are like yeah again we might break up we might hurt one another but it's not in the same way where like we leave just scars that scrape and that make us more likely to damage people in the future. And just like not being in a relationship until you're able to communicate the mm. the uh-huh. deep things that you need to to your partner like and in yeah. those instances and those are the people who after we broke up maybe i needed a little time to lick my wounds or whatever and right. to like yeah. heal but i was able to be friends with them right. i was able to talk to them again because it was like you know it wasn't you and it wasn't me yeah. we both tried and sometimes nothing sometimes things don't work out yeah. sometimes yeah. it's right, right people wrong time sometimes it's like you know that's not where we were supposed to be maybe yep. we were supposed to be friends we tried out this physical thing because we were yep. attracted to each other and sometimes things run their natural course because yep. people grow together and they grow apart. Yeah, but in yeah, your new yeah. relationship, you are by no means obligated to like communicate all of this trauma like right from the jump. Like yeah. you don't have to get on date one and be like, before we dive in, here's I our trauma wanna, chart. I mean, Joe might do that. <laughs> well, that's a Pisces day, like, move, I believe. But like, but like you know, I, I do. I I want to you know be weary, be weary here, and that like you you communicate that stuff on your own time. Yeah. You know, it might be like months before you first start to talk about this because talking about it is difficult, especially if you you don't have access to a therapist or or friends that you can talk through this stuff with like your partner should not have to be the first line of battle yeah, to, yeah. Receive, all, <laughs> oh to receive all of this shit you're going through you know what i mean like but your however, punching bag or but, something but it, but it is true yeah you have to tell people where where you're at you have to tell people where you've come from and what has gone through in the past in order for to, to set each other up for success yeah. is how literally anything else works yeah. you know what yeah. i mean well and friend it's also like you don't have to commute it's not, not like first date here's all my traumas but an, an example that i'll give is like in my current relationship um i think my current boyfriend didn't realize uh, that his ex had had kind of left him with some traumas and they would come up he would be like really mean to me in a moment and I would be like where the fuck did that come from because that's not who he is and then he had to have the ability to be self-reflexive and be like actually no that was not about you mm. and then in that moment because the trauma had affected me negatively then he was able to communicate what it was actually about and that's all that is required right it's it's like when when those um triggers and traumas rear their head and you're you're unkind to someone who you're trying to build with that you then are able to be like oh what a oh, couple of mature bitches oh, yeah uh, <laughs> that said don't <laughs> use your trauma as a constant excuse to like be an asshole in Correct. a relationship Correct. you know what i mean like don't like weaponize that and be like oh maybe i could just be a dick wherever i want because they already know that i have trauma you know right, that's right, like right, right, you know right. that's totally. what therapists are yeah. for that's yeah. what other things yeah. are for so i think something that i've realized is maybe i don't know what love is but i do i thought about that song love will keep us together um mm. which is i think i can't remember who sings it but like maybe that 
it's the thing that keeps I was thinking about this show and I was thinking about how in the third season I was like in a, a third of the episodes or half of the episodes and coming back last summer and getting ready for season four. I could not imagine not being on the show. Aww. You know what Aww. I mean? Because I was like, because we had fun at Tin House. We got back together. It was like, this makes so much sense. It wasn't like a blocking my blessings thing like uh, producer Alex does occasionally. Ah! But it was more like, um, <laughs> I, th- I, I knew by its absence, mm. you know, in a way where I was like, that just like, again, it just made so much sense. Like it just, I didn't, I was like, I do not want you to do this show if I'm not a part of it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a way in which I showed my love and it was reflected back at me. And there was almost no better experience in my life of like, it wasn't like conflict resolution, but it was like, I have to say the things that I have to say. Yeah. And they were received by a group of people who had my back and who we hold each other. I mean, there's like a lot of corniness that happens in between us sometimes, between times on the on the emails or like yeah. on the, the the DMs or whatever. But it was just nice in that moment to be like, I I I feel like um I can bear myself and I will be positively received. Aww. I love you, you dumb yeah. bitch. One thing is for sure, when it comes to this podcast, I really do love some of you. And- <laughs> I just I hold that dear. To Fran, my heart Fran all the was time. staring deeply at Tommy and holding Tommy's knee. When he said, <laughs> oh, don't be, know. don't be jealous. Dennis and I are sitting over here, uh, drinking yourselves. <laughs> literally, You're literally, literally hugging yourselves, wanting to feel up. You know, I'm feeling full, but like I could fit one more thing inside of me. Dennis knows how I feel. And in fact, Dennis has our dessert tonight. All right, you guys. I am so excited to talk about this. Um, If you are unaware of the new series that's out on Netflix, it's called Spinning Out. You need to get hip to it and you need to get hip to it now. You need to get hip to it. Literally. The minute this episode stops, you need to go to Netflix and you need to and you need to like watch the show. So. I'm going to start off and give you a little bit of a rundown. Yeah, synopsis. Um, Here we go. The 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 show follows primarily um, this young figure skater named Cat Baker, and she was like an up and coming like American superstar skater, and then she has a fall in a competition, um, and she like. She like, she, has, like she, she has this like a serious head injury. She like has a concussion. She's bleeding from her head, and from that point on, she can no longer do triple jumps, and so. Uh-oh. And so what happens is at the beginning of the series, her mom is like, you're not getting coached anymore. We're putting all of our money into your younger sister who's developing into someone who can be a champion. Oh. She's basically like you're a piece of crap. putting her down like a lame horse. She's literally. Just like, and your career is over. Literally. And we're, and we're not going to pretend like this passes to the glue happen factory. in skating. <laughs> um, and so basically, Kat, like the whole, there's a really complicated family situation going on there. Um, the mother was aspiring to be an Olympic figure skater and that didn't work out. So she's pressuring her kids. Um, But the show, in addition to having incredible sort of drama and sort of incredible plot that follows um, through these first like 10 episodes, it goes a lot deeper than I think your sort of average show that brings narrative to athletics um, goes. I know you like it deep. Yeah, (laughs) you do. I I always like it deep. So So it starts off again with that scenario but then you start to learn more about this family you realize that there's some very serious like mental health issues that are going on that are at play in this entire narrative so it really gets into how that works into some family dynamics um and how that plays out in sort of like a small community where everyone's sort of watching each other so that's one thing the other thing is that it takes place in um sun valley idaho which is actually like a real skating town there's a major competition that happens there every year i think it's all modeled after um the complex at the broadmoor in colorado springs but of course um but it's sort of placed in sun valley finally skating (laughs) actors and skating roles the representation (laughs) we've been waiting for anyway but so there's also there so there's like an there's some interesting racial dynamics that are happening there. Her best friend is an Asian figure skater, um, and then there's this guy that she's kind of involved in, who's involved with, who's black and a skier. And so as the narrative gets go, goes on, there's some really interesting racial dynamics that are happening with his ski team and with the community because they're these people of color who are in these very white sports in this very white place where you have to be if you're going to like do very well. Are so, there rivalries between the skiers and the skaters? Or figure skating is nothing without its rivalries right in 94 you had tanya and nancy in 98 you had true michelle kwan and tara lipinski and then in 2002 you had 
Irina Slutskaya and Michelle Kwan. It's all there's always there's always Why are a rivalry the girls going coming on. from Michelle Kwan. Oh. And so here in this show, you have um, the whole idea is that like Cap gets an opportunity to skate again through becoming a partner to this like Lothario pairs skater. His his partner gets injured. He needs he needs a new partner. And at first they want her. She doesn't want them. And then they fly down a new partner who's a massive B I N C H oh. from Seattle, which I thought was really Love. interesting. Um, and so that creates some really incredible like tension and drama on the ice. The show, of course, is campy as anything dealing with figure skating and that many sequins will be. <laughs> but it goes so much deeper than all of that. And Are there so gays? I'm a f- oh. there, so the gays abound. <laughs> the gays abound. Um, Johnny Weir is actually in the well, show. He's the rival skater. Um, yeah. And One of it's, the rival skaters. I just think it's kind of funny because Johnny Weir is nobody's pairs partner. He is not big enough to do pairs, but they have him doing pairs in the show, which <laughs> I think is super fun. As we all are aware of. Wow. As we are well, aware of. <laughs> funny that you say that. Johnny Weir on the phone right now <laughs> calling in from New Hampshire. Where are you at, Johnny? Anyway, Telling us the truth. Anyway, also, um, you just in any story around figure skating, you never really get a sense of like female queerness it's like there's lots of gay men um and sort of like in the culture it's true but like you never hear about like women skaters who are queer and there is a woman um who's a key character in the show who is queer and there's some Ooh. really interesting things around that story Ooh. as well honestly that's what um, got me including some hunter. immigrant things yeah it's very like it kind of goes everywhere that that any show today might go politically it's really interesting hi hello this is fran uh full di- journalistic disclosure i do work for netflix but let me tell you january jones gives the performance of her life wait oh january jones is back yes she is the yes. mom and it's amazing because she looks like she's 25 and her daughter's she, like 23 her like, it's like oh my God. it's fully true yeah the it's, age but it, thing it's, it's fully exquisite true. the high camp dennis is not messing around like it really the is him high, high amazing entertainment value Gets ya where it gets ya. Okay, 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 uh, okay. Johnny Weir, wow. I mean, the gayest Jonathan thing you've Van ever Ness seen. has a has a no. cameo. Yeah, I mean. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we oh, was Johnny Weir in the closet. So okay, no, no, we don't we don't have time for this. <laughs> we absolutely do not have that time. That closet for this. was glass. All that is to say. <laughs> If you like high stakes skating dramas, Dennis is the target demographic. I remember when I remember when I saw the trailer for this, like uh, three three months ago, two three months ago. I watched the trailer and I was like, "Oh my god, Dennis is gonna explode!" Dennis <laughs> is, I did. I binged it all put, in one night. Yeah. I literally binged it in one night. Literally, the only thing Dennis has ever watched within the year that it came out. Oh yeah, I mean, like yes. right a yeah, fucking fully way. true. Like a fully week or true. Two later, which yeah, is which is really really good for me. Wow. Yeah, wow. if you ever loved The Cutting Edge, if you ever loved Ice Princess, <laughs> spinning out on Netflix. Spinning Check out. It. Check it. <laughs> This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home at iHeartRadio. Our producer is at least 40% black leather, Alexandra De Palma. Our production, our production manager rivals, rivals only me in the sheer severity of sex injuries, Elizabeth D. Oh, our social media manager is drafting pro-cyberbullying tweets as we speak, Christina oh. Tucker. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review us five stars on iTunes or or Joe will come and shit in your bathroom. <laughs> oh, wow. I am Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H-E-Y-T-E-E-B-S on all irrelevant social media. I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squishco on anything you want. I'm Dennis, and you can find me on Twitter at the Earl Denden, T-H-E-E-A-R-L-D-E-N-D-E-N. And I'm Joe. You can find me at www www.josephosmondson.com <laughs> Find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod where each week we pin some questions at the top of our page to continue the discussion of this week's main topic. Sign up for our newsletter to see a list of everything we're reading and some extra delectable content at foodforthoughtpodcast.com and finally send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick, dick pics to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com as always that's food the number four and thoughts spelled how t-h-o-t oh i got Bye. it thank you so much see you next week have 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 